Today on Packet Pushers Priority Q, a unified communications discussion with Sonus Networks. Yes, voice for all you voice people. We know we don't talk about voice a lot here on the Packet Pushers Network because you tell us we don't. So today is your day. We're going to get into <laughs> voice security and analytics, uniting session border controllers and cloud. Joining us today is Kevin Isaacs, Vice President of Engineering for Sonus Networks. So Kevin, this is going to be a conversation focused on voice and voice security, session border controllers, etc. So as we get into that, I mean, you know, the voice work that I've done in the past, you know, security hasn't been, I mean, it's always a thing, right? You got to do authentication and so on. You got to preserve the quality of voice links, etc. But I can't say security has been at the top of my mind. What is the attack surface when we get into unified communications? What's the attack surface that we're trying to protect here? You know, thanks, Ethan. I mean, this is arguably one of the most ignored parts of the infrastructure. Voice came from, you know, a long history of being in its own silo. We had a PBX. It was hooked up with its own PRI trunk. And effectively, yeah, you could hack that. But the worst you could probably do with it if you did hack it was just make some directly toll for all calls and maybe call up to Leishendam or Lithuania or, you know, some place that you could, you know, effectively be was expensive to call to. Not a huge attack. What's happened, though, is over the years, we've migrated now fully to SIP. And by migrating to SIP, it's giving us a much richer functionality, lower price. And we have remote agents. We have SIP trunks. And through all of that now, we've effectively put our voice communications on the Internet. And we're still treating the effectively exactly the same way as we did when it had its own private trunks. So the attack surface is effectively now you can not only have that same level of fraud you could have before, you can now have denial of service. So you can actually stop people getting into your contact centers. You can uh, have exfiltration. So effectively a rogue agent inside the network can actually exfiltrate out through the voice ports, through the actual signaling of it. It basically has opened up this huge plethora of attacks that you know, is largely ignored today. But you know we're seeing it's happening and it's, you know, the attacks are happening. Right. Okay. Because we were hidden behind private lines before T1s and so on that were doing those services for us. Now it's all IP based. And so now we're exposed. Very exciting. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we've gone, we've gone from something that was controlled. You needed physical access. You had to actually go up and potentially climb a pole. Now we're on the internet, right? Now we're in the world of, of scripts and hacking. So it's a very different place. Okay, so you mentioned some of the like denial of service that can happen, uh, you know, and so on, theft of service, toll fraud. Is it possible for your voice communications, those conversations, to be listened in on? Oh, absolutely. There are technologies to be able to encrypt them, so secure RTP, for example, to encrypt them. However, the majority of SIP trunks and the majority of unified communication systems actually don't enable them. So it's simply just left blank, it's left in the clear. So, yeah, you can effectively, people can from both externally and actually more importantly internally, you know, internal espionage is often a bigger problem, simply now listen to your conversations that are going past. It's really simple is just being able to capture those packets and replay them to rebuild the audio and listen to the data stream? Exactly, yeah. It's just a simple playback in Wireshock kind of scenario. The decoders are all there. You can literally just set up decoded as a RTP, which is a real-time protocol stream. And yeah, absolutely. You can hear exactly what was said. Then let's move on to session border controllers. So we, we understand the problem. This is telephony is all IP-based these days. You know, the vast majority of it that people are running. That gives us a significant attack surface. 
but we bring session border controllers into the mix. So what's a session border controller, Kevin, and, uh, and how does it help us? Well, it's basically what's actually the, you know, SIP is very much like HTTP. It establishes sessions and transactions. So the session border controller is to the SIP world what the firewall is to the HTTP world. So it effectively allows you to actually set up a session and police and actually look at the traffic flowing through it in a very application deterministic way. So it actually follows the call state. So as the call setting up, it looks at every single element and it only lets the known elements through. And then when it actually comes to the media, which is what is a very unique part about voice and unified communications, is that you've got this signaling to set up the call and then you've actually got the call that we're talking on set as actually two different streams. And the, the session border controller will actually go and police that stream, make sure that it is what it says it is. Because you don't want it to be saying, well, I'm setting up a voice stream. And in reality, it's actually somebody siphoning off you know, a document out of the organization full of credit card numbers or health records or something like that. So the session border controller provides that firewall function where effectively it makes sure that only legitimate SIP calls can go through and that the media is actually what it says it is, which is an actual voice call or a video call. Uh, okay, so so the session board does the session border controller proxy the SIP connection or is it just passing it through? So it's actually what's known as a back-to-back user agent. So what it does is it actually takes the call, it answers it, right? It actually effectively terminates the transaction, responds to it, and it makes a whole new one on the other side. So on the public and the private side, you can imagine that they're only connected together through the elements of the call and not the call itself. So it's a lot more secure than a proxy would be because only the information that is actually required is passed through. Any of the other stuff is dropped. And that's what uh, makes it really good for for making sure that no rogue flows actually go through. So it sounds... Uh, it sounds more like what a what a load balancer might do if it's doing layer seven rewriting, perhaps, uh, or what a firewall might do if it had to do a fix up, where it can actually get right involved in the conversation and not just right as you say, not merely proxy it through, but it can also have layer seven intelligence and uh, you know add value to the conversation, if you will. Exactly. I mean, well, that's actually one of the more common uses of a session border controller. A lot of people think of it as a fix-up device, right? Like you said, it actually can do message manipulation. It can convert from one form of audio to another form of audio or video. It can effectively manage the different informations and elements and make sure that it's the two incompatible devices can talk to each other. But that inherently, of course, also makes it an outstanding security device. Okay, so my SBC then fits into essentially it's in the middle of all of my voice traffic if I've set it up this way. Well, or is it? Is it just in the middle of certain conversations? Like I might have internal conversations uh, and then I might have external conversations outside of my organization and the SBC would be in the middle of just those, but not like internal ones. I might treat those differently. Yeah, that's right. I mean, typically the way an SBC has been deployed is towards your trunks, so your SIP trunks, which are how your IP PBX or Unified Communications Infrastructure actually talks to the PSTN, the Public Switch Telephone Network. That's what the SPC is, is deployed for, or for talking to people that effectively are off-site, so outside the four walls of your building. So people that effectively take calls from home, they're taking calls from their car, anywhere on the road, 
that they're actually using their particular unified communications client, that goes through the SBC. Your internal calls don't typically go through it. Now, that is changing because of our move to the cloud. It means that you know the borders and enterprises are now very porous. That and, of course, bring your own devices. It become far more porous. So there are actually deployments now where you run everything through the SBC and even between departments just to elevate that security level. Okay, so position cloud here. What role would cloud be playing? I mean, it's cer- certainly, yeah, you, you talk about the perimeter being porous and the edge of your network no longer being a thing that is like, oh, I've got the internet coming into my building here and everything runs through you know, a, an edge router and then a firewall and that. Right, that's all kind of going away and cloud is part of that. But cloud in the context of voice communications, how is that fitting? Well, so, I mean, this is really the revolutionary of all the... I would say if you look at the the latest evolution of voice infrastructure is no longer deploying a unified communication system on the premise, simply use the cloud version of it as a service. And when you do that, of course, then the position border controller function moves into the cloud. You have a function running in the cloud that actually now, of course, all the users are treated like remote users, which is why should the experience be any different if you're at your favorite coffee shop or if it's at your office, right? You should really have the same experience and you should really have the same level of security because as you said, right, the old mantra of, well, I'm going to secure my perimeter and as long as I'm good within the organization, you know, I'm fine. Most attacks now all happen through exfiltration, not infiltration. So it's a, you know, it's a very different attack service we have to secure. So in other words, I've moved my voice over IP functionality up into the cloud. I'm not hosting that locally anymore. Uh, I've got SIP trunks that are happening and terminating uh, in the cloud. And so now, and right, and I've got people literally everywhere and anywhere, soft phones, uh, IP phones that are built into their smartphones, terminating all those calls uh, up at the session that's in the cloud. And so now in this new architecture, everybody's running everything through a session border controller because because you would, that makes sense. What else does cloud bring to the equation here then? Because it seems like if you're seeing all of the calls and the call data, now you've got a bunch of information you can do something with. You do. And of course, you know, now that you've moved it to the cloud, it does bring with it, a, you know, as you mentioned, obviously a huge advantages because now you've got a, a infrastructure that's you know, highly resilient running in a a remote location with uh, you no longer have to maintain it being the, the biggest advantage and an economy of scale across a different provider. Um, what it does bring is, of course, issues around potentially quality issues because now you're actually taking your voice and you're moving outside your four walls. And while, as I mentioned before, your internal espionage could actually be in a big issue of somebody, but now you've moved it there. Effectively, you've got voice streams now running across the internet you have to make sure that those are secured, right? They are encrypted. Otherwise, you know, potentially you people could listen in on those conversations to the cloud. So the session border controller can be responsible for actually encrypting those, making sure they are encrypted. And then looking at that information and taking those analytics and making sure that we have a, a true toll quality voice conversation and that it's doing exactly what it said it is. And that is a legitimate conversation versus something that you know could effectively be not right could be some form of a bad actor okay so you you just mentioned encryption there i want to dig into that a bit because 
we talked about two different data streams going through the session border controller. One is SIP, and we talked about how the session border controller is is not just a proxy, but also you know, adding functionality to that SIP call. But then once the call is set up, you've got a totally different, you know, an RTP stream going between the two endpoints that are having the conversation. But I was getting the impression that that kind of flows through the session border controller, but and it was kind of watching it go by, but wasn't proxying it. But if you're talking about encrypting the data stream and the session border controller playing the role of uh, doing RTP encryption, that sounds more like a proxy to me, not just a pass-through. Oh, exactly. I mean, the media stream is actually can be treated in a number of ways. We actually have three modes that the border controller can run in. The one of them is exactly as you said. It's a proxy, right? So effectively, it just takes the media and it feeds it through. And it potentially just, it has the role of taking care of NAT traversal. So making sure that it can actually talk to that person sitting in that coffee shop and that, you know, that that's rewritten from the public to the private IPs. Because unfortunately, because it's signaled, SIP is signaled separately from the media, sometimes what's actually signaled can be different from what it actually is. So the border controller is responsible for actually stitching that together and making sure that that net traversal actually works. So that's the first mode, right? Then the second mode is actually doing encryption of that. So it can take an encrypted stream and then decrypt it towards the infrastructure or vice versa. So actually doing the encryption. And then lastly, we actually have a function that we call transcoding, which is basically converting from one form of codec to another. This is done often, especially in the the video space, because there's so many different competing standards. And there's also evolutions, right? We've gone from effectively uh, low compute, where we had try and use low compute to get best possible. Now we've got a lot more compute. We can do better compression on it. So there's lots of different standards, whether it be H.264, 265, VP8, VP9, and that none of them are interoperable. So transcoding actually converts between those different forms of streams. Mm. And that's a critical part here because those transcoding allows non-compatible devices to communicate with each other so that legacy can talk to new. So, you know, somebody who's running around with a 64K A-Law codec can talk to somebody who's running a 5.8-bit mobile codec without having to get a failed message. Exactly. And I mean, actually, it's a good thing that you bring up mobile, Greg, is that, um, you know, in the mobile space today, we actually, you know, we have high definition finally, right? You have the HDV audio calls, you know, the voice over LTE calls. Those are much higher quality than your regular voice call. So the session border controller can, can actually can convert, you know, like um, a Skype effectively level call to a mobile high quality call. So you can have an end-to-end high-quality call like this this podcast versus just a regular G711A or Mu, which, you know, was the gold standard in 1965, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, <laughs> not so much anymore. Yeah, that's right. And that's it's key here to understand that. And I think the other thing to keep thinking about an SPC is that because all of the calls route through it, it's actually in the flow. So it's in the network, it's in the path. So it's a natural point to apply control. Up until now, it is. Um, devices exactly. used to be, you know, really just focusing on that transcoding or specific routing features to do with calls, and that was all we could manage to fit in the box. But we're seeing this massive transition where we can get a lot more functions going on in the box because we've got more CPU, more memory, you know, better software, faster software development. And so now this box becomes a viable security tool because all the, track, all the packets are there. Why don't we integrate security into the chassis that we've already got? We don't need to add a thing. 
exactly. I mean, basically what we would do before is we would add some form of a probe and we would actually listen to it. Now, the SPC has always done what we call media policing. So what it does is it goes, oh, well, a G711A law should be 80 kilobits per second with headers. If it's 82 kilobits, block the stream, right? Throttle mm-hmm. the stream. And it, we have microflows within the device to actually do that. Always done that. But it's done it in its own, basically, within its own four walls, right? Its own device, its own node. What we've never done is actually said, well, could we take all that information as a session border controller and basically push it up into an analytics platform and say, okay, let's have a look at this across the whole network. So if you're in a, either in a cloud environment or if you're an enterprise that has multiple sites, look at across all of them and say, well, okay, is that particular one exceeding that? You know, am I seeing a whole bunch of calls coming in from a certain number within a certain interval, right? So I'm seeing basically the same number hitting me repeatedly within the last 30 seconds, right? Take all that information that's been flowing past and actually bubbling it up into an analytics platform. And that's the other side of it too. It's not just about firewalls. You actually have to have analytics and monitoring. Now, this is a common theme. Uh, Ethan, we've talked about this so much now is that any networking functionality or any appliance functionality today has to include monitoring and analytics so that you can actually see what's going on. It's not enough to just say, I'll configure a firewall rule. Yay! You've actually got to see what's going on inside of the packets. <laughs> yes. You've got to see the rule being hit. You've got to have charts. You've got to have, you know, and this is a key transition, and it it's coming to session border controllers and the products that Sonos is bringing out. This isn't just happening here. This is an industry-wide transition, and Sonos is moving into that space. Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're dead on there. It is an industry-wide thing. It's effectively across the whole industry. Visibility, what is big data, ultimately? It's the ability for us to ingest and then actually provide visibility and actually make decisions off data that we couldn't actually do that before. That was the definition of big data. Now we're able to do it. So now we can ingest all this security information and have a look and say, oh, I can see that that particular endpoint is is you know is busy hacking out because I can now see it across all my different net flows and all my different flows. So what we're doing at Sonus is basically the equivalent for the voice over IP and the unified communications and voice infrastructure. So we could, we're now able to take all that information from the SPCs, which in the past was way too much information. I mean, within a service provider, you know, we're handling over a thousand calls per second on a single SPC. And that amount of information, just ingesting all that and then actually making decisions about, is this a bad actor? Is it a bad number, et cetera, is all before you would have to have additional devices, additional probes, additional, and it would still have very small retention. Now we have the tools to be able to do that. So we're bringing to market a product that effectively will provide you that visibility and ability to make those actions. So there's something I want to qualify here, uh, Kevin. So within the context of cloud, if we're running a bunch of SPCs uh, by Sonos up in the cloud, in theory, Sonos would have the ability to aggregate from multiple customers data. And that could be interesting from a security perspective. Huh? Aggregated across all these different customers, we're seeing this certain kind of an attack and, you know, can then implement a you know, recommended strategy to mitigate that attack. Is that something you're, you're doing or are you analyzing each customer uh, in, uh, isolated to itself? We are doing the former. However, what I just want to stress before I get into that, de-identification <laughs> is a very important part of that. Because, of course, one of the, the big issues with the cloud is, is my data secure, right? And 
voice is just as important. I know people will argue this, but it's just as important as others. But knowing that you know a certain person called another person can be very you know critical in an, in an investigation of criminal or otherwise, right? So the making sure that you de-identification de-identify the information in a way that the customer can still have a key to be able to you know look at their records and reverse it, but the analytics platform effectively doesn't know that it's just as anonymized data is able to look across the whole broad customer base. So yeah, you're absolutely right. It's far more useful to know, oh, there's actually a fraudster or a robo-dialer originating from this small little office sitting in the middle of you know rural wherever and block it for all customers than it is to actually do it just for one. I mean, we see this in the firewall space. You know, the next generation firewall vendors have all got cloud offerings that push information about signatures and known bad actors. That's exactly what we're doing for the voice space. So you say de-identification. Does that mean simply stripping off, um, you know, phone numbers off of record headers, these kind of things, or is it more complex than that? It's more complex than that. That would be more anonymization, which is also effective. The problem with anonymization is then you you've lost the a lot of the information that the customer may want to look at. Because, of course, in a cloud-based service, the customer really wants to be able to look and see, oh, that was that particular number. So de-identification, what it does is it provides a, a two-way ability with a, with a key. So as long as you have that key and the customer has the key to actually get back what it was. But while the data is at rest, it's effectively encrypted and anonymized. So, you know, perfect technique for this uh, provides the best of both worlds. Reminds me of some of the tokenization schemes in the payment card industry, where the data's all there, but you got to have the right, you know, keys to unlock it and uh, and get it all back. At rest, you don't have it all. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we we as Sonus don't have it. Effectively, the customer has it because they got the key, and yeah, it's it's the right scheme for this. We looked at multiple ways of doing it, and anonymization was a was a good way of doing it because you can still spot patterns, right? Even if you have anonymized and removed that phone number, you can still spot patterns with a pseudo phone number, a randomized phone number, but it doesn't work as well across multiple, and of course, it's not reversible. Now, you mentioned firewalls. We, firewalls have come up here, but your session border controller is in a certain standpoint of firewall, but we still have traditional firewalls as well in our environments. Can you explain how SBCs and firewalls are related? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, firewalls do a fantastic job, especially next-generation firewalls, do a fantastic job in the data, in the data realm. Really good at spotting malware. Right, So when a particular portable executable is coming in through the firewall, really good at making sure that it's blocked off any inbound traffic and that only outbound traffic is allowed in a particular way. And some of the, the latest ones, too, can even get down to a particular state within HTTP so that you, know, you go onto a forum and you can read, but you can't post because you may be posting on behalf of the company. They, they really shine when it comes to having that ability. And then actually when new malware comes through, sending it off to a cloud where it's analyzed and made sure that it all, whether it's good or bad, and then pushed to every single customer that has one of those firewalls. Great job there. However, on the voice side, there isn't that same level of depth. And it's mostly just um, purely because of a knowledge in the space, right? So there's a huge knowledge in the firewall sector around HTTP, DNS, where the particular exfiltrations are today. As far as the voice side goes, because it was often that silo, and it's recently migrated over there, there's effectively isn't that same level of knowledge. Now, SPCs, of course, don't have the knowledge of malware, don't have the knowledge of, of being able to 
you know, what's going on in the data world. So if you put the two together, you really have a killer combo, but separately, they're pretty much acting in isolation on different kinds of traffic. So as the SBC figures something out, it could tell my firewall uh, something? Would, would, you know, in other words, would the firewall be part of the enforcement and mitigation strategy because of something that the SBC detected? Exactly. And you've got a dead on there. So you know, that's the utopia. And that's actually what the, the new Sonus product that we're coming out with in early October is going to do, is the ability to share a bad actor information. So when we know a particular SIP endpoint or particular SIP provider is definitely a bad actor, right? They're either sending calls or maybe they're just sending SIN flows. Most likely, if they're bad on SIP, they're probably going to be bad on other things, like because, you know, unified communications will often use HTTP to actually do the desktop sharing, et cetera, et cetera. Mm, mm, mm. So, and the firewall is often upstream from the session border controller. So, most enterprises deploy it as, you know, you've got your internet connection comes to your firewall, and then they just punch a whole bunch of ports through to the SBC. Ah, I was going to ask you that same question. Is a typical deployment parallel or in line? And you, and you just qualified that. Firewall first, then SBC, typically. Although, I suppose you could put an SBC parallel with a firewall if you wanted. You could. Absolutely. And, and, and it's, it's really interesting, actually. Within the enterprise, it's typically in series. So we'll see firewall, then border controller. Why? Because effectively, they evolved from those, those PRIs, those T1 circuits, and then when they moved over to SIP, effectively, the, the security team went, well, no, you've got to sit behind my firewall. What's this SBC thing, right? So that's typically what happens in the, in the enterprise space. But um, not always. Uh, you do get some larger enterprises that look a little more like service providers. They will deploy like the service providers do, which is in parallel. Because the service providers, they're effectively providing a service. And often the service would be one of their services is voice. So therefore, they want to put it in parallel because the firewall may be able, not able to keep up with the rate or not be able to keep up with the, the traffic and is not providing additional value there. So the providers we often found would do the parallel deployment and the enterprises tend to do more of the serial deployment. That's on average anyway. So the product that we've been talking about here for launch in, uh, you're saying early October, let's call it Q4 2017 somewhere. Who's a good target for this? Who's going to be buying this product? So this is really focused at enterprises, so basically wanting to actually raise the security context, so be able to look for those anomalies, those bad actors across their border controllers, as well as share that context between the session border controller and the firewall, so have the ability to actually have that knowledge of bad actor pushed in, blocked on the firewall, also set up the good actors, right, which are the actual ports I should open instead of opening a large swath. Both bigger enterprises and you know medium size, of course, service providers deploying cloud architectures as well are very much a target too. Right? They can set this up as well. It's a really good way of protecting the service. And you know we have a large percentage of customers that are service providers that this is a great fit for too. So let's focus on enterprise for a minute. What have I already probably got deployed in the cloud that I would then be adding this product to? What's that? What's that mix look like? Enterprises would typically deploy in the cloud, either as part of a cloud service, so they would buy a fully contained cloud service, or potentially just simply compute in the cloud. And within that point, they would have that unified communication service and those border controllers, and then that would feed over the analytics through to this uh, Sonos analytics platform or analytics and security platform. And from there, that will then be able to make the decisions. And you know, as you pointed out 
across potentially multiple enterprises to be able to raise it and actually know far more detail as to where the where the bad actors are. So dropping the SPC into my existing UC infrastructure, uh, would I have already had some kind of an SPC you know, as a part of the CAN package and now I'm, I'm moving that functionality over to the Sonos box? Or is this, is this basically a net new service that I'm adding to my UC? It really depends on the enterprise. So the enterprises that are security aware will typically already have an SPC there. And this product can actually work with both Sonos SPCs and non-Sonos SPCs. Right. Obviously, with a Sonos SBC, you get a much deeper, richer amount of information. Right, We're able to expose a lot more information out of the SBC. Uh, most SBCs, ours included, go off and do their job and don't tell anybody about it. Right, They'll block a SIN flood and they will block a particular a bad endpoint that's sending a bunch of registrations and not tell anybody about it. With the Sonos SBCs, we now expose that up to the analytics platform. But you, know, you could already have another SPC you're perfectly happy with, and you could use it. You may be a less security-focused company that doesn't have an SPC, in which case we would recommend you definitely add one <laughs> and then you know, bring the information up into the analytics platform. So we've really tried to make it so that it will the barrier to adoption is relatively low because the last thing we want is for there to be some form of a, an actual exploit to happen and not be able to protect to it. So you know, making sure we can really keep everybody as protected as possible is very important. You mentioned um, popular, just kind of generically popular UC packages out there that are in the cloud. Are there specific products that you're aligned with? And, or put another way, you said some enterprises will just, they just get compute, infrastructure as a service, and run their own software on that. You know, are there maybe particular clouds that are supported? Yeah, so we're very tightly aligned with Microsoft's Office 365 and with their cloud PBX infrastructure around Scout for Business. So we have a very tight alignment there. So that would probably be the, the, the tightest alignment that we do have. We do work, though, with whether it be an Avaya-based or a Cisco-based or a Broadsoft-based, Genban-based, really any of the, the different ones out there. We effectively will work with any of the flows. The Microsoft side, simply we've built a, a tighter relationship with that infrastructure since it needs the additional pieces that come from partners like ourselves. I like the way you phrase that. <laughs> okay, one more question, Kevin, on on the consumption model. So is this an OPEX subscription kind of a model where I get a session border controller or or more than one, depending on what I need, and then pay monthly? So it's uh, not a monthly payment per se. It's it's a you know, yearly payment. It is actually a, a platform to be installed initially. It will be a cloud service available in the future, but initially it is a platform to be installed mostly fitting within the existing on-premise deployment scenarios. But of course, for cloud infrastructure, yes, there will definitely be a subscription service version of it. So one of the questions that I, I have around this sort of technology is that a lot of call centers these days are using session border controllers as gateways. And one of the things that's coming up for certain types of call centers is that they're getting DDoS. They literally get thousands and thousands of calls, and it's a hacker type of thing. And this is something I saw in a job I had once anyway. Is this something that your technology can do? Is that like a feature in your product? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a, one of the um, key use cases is actually preventing you know, DDoS or as it's more likely known in the telephony world, TDOS. So telephony <laughs> denial of service because, you know, we have to come up with acronyms for everything. Yeah. But uh, what effectively it is is you're basically getting a call center and it's getting hammered with a bunch of calls that knocks it offline. 
Mm. And the, the attackers are actually getting more and more sophisticated. You know, they used to just just throw a whole bunch of calls that are using a bulk call generator called SIPP. Now they're actually running around in the interactive voice response. So you can imagine they dial in and they go press one, two, five, seven, nine, and yep. just to hold up the resources and knock the call center down. And this mm. can actually because that know, IVR system is part of the whole the call system that they're left exactly exactly. So you start right. burning up. In the old days, the IVR was a system on the side of the PBX. Now it's all integrated in a single box. It's all integrated, right? It can be and part so of the cloud you, system. So it's, you're just yeah. exhausting resources in the in the gateways, and not in the in the gateways as well, but also in the the, the central unit, the call center itself. In the call center, in the media servers, you effectively just you find different ways. And these yeah. attacks happen on banks. They happen on on you know help desks, on shipping. It's just like you would take down a website. You take down the customer service side. I mean, there was a stat I read um, from a report from IBM talking about it cost ten thousand dollars per hour that a call center was offline because of mm. course you you have all those agents that are sitting there that basically can't take calls. It's just Purely wasted technical resources. Yeah, that's wasted. the base cost. That's the yeah. base cost of just resources sitting idle for the hour per day. And then there's the right. opportunity cost on top of that, which then gets into the realms of fantasy because people quite often just make up numbers at that point. But I mean, the point is, is that all the calls are going through this session border controller. You can start to detect DDoS using your cloud technology. You start to detect the DDoS calls. You can start to recognize the patterns and start filtering out those so that you can start to reduce the impact of that. Exactly. And this platform actually has a full machine learning capability to be able to look for those anomalies, detect the anomalies, and then actually push policy into the session border controllers and actually block off that particular bad actor. So this can happen in an automated or a manual fashion. So it can be, oh, alert the operator, they see it on their SIM system, or they see it on the UI of our platform. And actually say yes, I want to block that, or you can you know switch it to full auto, and it will effectively block those out. So the call center is an excellent example of you know where a platform like this is so critical. And because as you mentioned, Greg, those calls are flowing through the border controller anyway. You block them on the border controller. You can block an IP. You know, it may not necessarily be a single number. It could be a single IP. And now you've effectively restabilized. You've staved the attack, and you know, just like with the DDoS attack, you're basically now you're back into production again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you mentioned a couple of things there, Kevin, I want to drill into. One is machine learning and the other is auto-blocking. So one, a lot of folks are, are chatting about machine learning and the capability. Is that, uh, I mean, do you, you really and truly mean machine learning as opposed to, you know, kind of a, you know the, the, the whitewash of machine learning because it sounds great? Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> really do, right? We've uh, come out from the, the death of artificial intelligence and that's all anybody <laughs> wants to talk about now is AI and machine learning. But, uh, you know, the simplest anomalies effectively, you would go, well, I'm going to look for a particular call that's uh, a particular phone number that hits more than 10 times in 30 seconds, and I'll block that. But, of course, what happens if they hit, let's say, nine times in 30 seconds, and, you know, they ratchet it up and down? You know, with machine learning, you can effectively extrapolate that it could be one way or the other. So this is actually using true extreme learning, and it's a great fit for it, too, because machine learning is most effective when you have a lot of data. And the more data you have, the more you can effectively define that scatter plot as to which category it falls into, the better. And calls just fit fantastically well into that because they generate so much data, right? We don't measure every single HTTP packet, but we do measure every call. 
it's a great fit for it. And yes, I do mean true machine learning, not just, you know, adding another acronym to the marketing <laughs> blurb. And then on the auto blocking, I mean, a lot of people, that, that kind of technology has been around for a long time where you can, if a certain anomaly is detected, you know, auto block and you can put a policy in place. But a lot of people have been scared of that, you know, IPS being the classic example because of false positives. Uh, thoughts here? Yes. I mean, that, that that's a, a classic risk versus reward case. Like for in the in the service provider space, there's actually a requirement that you have to complete all calls, right? So something like auto blocking, unless it's, you know, things around not allowing calls from certain numbers. Like for example, the IRS, you know, here in the States, you can only ever call the IRS. The IRS can't call you, right? Mm-hmm. Those numbers, so that if you get a call from the IRS, it's a fake call, it's a spam call. Mm-hmm. So there's been special exemptions to actually allow those particular numbers to be blocked, right? But generally, service providers have to block it. Of course, as an enterprise, it's up to you to decide who you accept calls from. So you can actually block it. There's no you know, legal requirement that you have to answer your phone. You're I, able to- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually, if you're not in my address book, I am never picking up your phone. And if yep. you're in my address book, it's 50-50. You know, yep. if you're not emailing me, I ain't talking to you, really. It's, you know. And it uh, used to be the fact that you could just ignore ones that came from calls outside your local area, code, but now all of a sudden all the yep. robo-dialers even come from that. Well, I mean, I mean, these, well, these, these sorts of threat actors have actually made it to the point where taking telephone calls are a big, serious issue. I looked at the block list on my phone the other day, and it runs to something like 700 numbers. Yeah. Uh, of just randos who've called me or companies that send me text messages, just whatever, and I just block them, and I, I don't care anymore yeah. and this, so we need to get this under control if voice needs to to you know i'm sure i'm not the only person that's doing that by the way yeah if we're going to get back to the point where and i guess i'm showing my age here but you know when somebody called you you ran to the phone and picked it up because mm. they made the trouble to call you it must be important right yeah if we get, no, that's if never going to happen because it used to be expensive <laughs> to call people it was like exactly. <laughs> so, and now it's effectively well it's getting close to free it is getting close to free, right? We have so many unlimited lists. You know, there's still some exceptions in certain international countries, but even international calls are largely, you know, free or included with bundled minutes anyway. So getting, making sure that you keep those false positives down to a very, very low level is very important. And the, you know, the algorithms that we have really, you know, if your mother's calling you um, effectively 30 times in 30 seconds, uh Pretty sure that uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a false positive. <laughs> so the algorithms are, are conservative intentionally, right? Because otherwise, you're totally right. People don't trust. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing with the with the IPS systems, as you mentioned, etc. They simply won't trust the automatic. So we've made sure the algorithms are conservative for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. You want to be able to set it automatic and know that it's not going to block your mom. So, Kevin, the new uh, cloud-based SBC that we uh, spent most of our time talking about today, does that product have a name, the one that's coming out in uh, Q4 2017? Uh, the analytics platform, not yet. Uh, watch the space. It will very soon. We're, we're working mm-hmm. diligently. The, uh, I'm glad and pleased to say that the product is further along than the naming of the product, <laughs> but, uh, but it doesn't have a name yet. Uh, but it's uh, effectively our Sonics analytics and security engine. And, um, yeah, so as soon as we do have a name for it, we'll watch the space. And if I want to find out more information, where should I go? So it will be available on our website. Um, you will find information up there already about us actually sharing policy between firewalls and SPCs. So there is information available on our website. 
and then there will be additional information posted there in the next coming couple of months. And that is www.sonus.net, S-O-N-U-S dot net. And Kevin, are you active socially? Do you uh, tweet or blog anything that uh, you'd like to share where folks can follow you? Got to be honest, I'm I'm in the engine room and I'm developing the products. (laughs) Got it. <laughs> so I'm not an active, not active on social media. No problem at all. No problem at all. We understand that that's a theme. Actually, the people that are the busiest and are building things tend to not have a lot of time for social media. So we we understand that a familiar story. So love 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 what comes out of it, but uh, yeah, not too active myself. <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time to come on the show today with us, Kevin, and chat with us about security and voice security and uh, session border controllers, etc. And our thanks to uh, Sonus for sponsoring the Packet Pushers today because without our sponsors we cannot do what we do and uh, thanks to you for listening to the priority queue if you head over to Sonus and find out more make sure you let them know that your curiosity was piqued by the packet pushers you can find this and many more of our fine and free technical podcasts along with our community blog at packetpushers.net you can follow us on twitter at packet pushers you can find us on linkedin like us on facebook and if you would take a minute and rate us on itunes we would appreciate that last but not least remember that too much technology would never be enough